Welcome to Open Outcry, where we roll from the close of the US trade and into the new trading session. And we take the pulse of the financial markets, assessing the key thematics, the views, the flows, the movers and the shakers to help traders and investors efficiently navigate markets and risk. Now, Open Outcry, of course, is an antiquated relic of the financial system, and it's fitting, therefore, to have two dinosaurs of the trading world as your hosts, Mr. Scott Redford, Pepstone's head of product and senior member of the Flowdesk, and myself, Chris Weston head of research here as well how goes it mr redford yeah very well thanks mate sunny day here in melbourne south it's sunny day so my morning um i got down to the local coffee shop um the brista didn't have one of those hole earrings in their ear but did have very very good chat as you'd imagine the brista would have and uh, rides a one, one speed uh, one speed chain bike. Anyway, so she was she was getting a bit flustered. There was uh, she was looking for um, someone uh, called Rena. There was a few people mm. backing up now, so she was by herself, and she was getting a bit flustered by that the, the, the ability to sort of process all of that. Rena, Rena, Rena! She shouts, and of course, my sort of head was clocking over, Scott. I'm thinking to myself, oh, what does that look like? I've got two things in life. One's, you know, who does that person look like? It's always a doppelganger. And secondly, <laughs> how can I relate this to a song? So I'm thinking, Rena, Rena. So I'm thinking, of course, the the, the chillates, the chillites. Sorry, from from obviously that 1970, 1971 album, "Give More Power to the People." You know, have you seen her? Which was then later. Um, taken over and recorded by one of the pioneers of hip-hop, MC Hammer. Um, so I'm sitting there, Rena, Rena. So, so I started singing, tell Hatsina, Rena, Rena, tell me, have you, Rena? And of course, the two lads behind, uh, tradies, one with uh, with dreadlocks, starts harmonising with me in the queue. <laughs> of, of course, course. Rena was nowhere to be seen. So we were sitting there and, and we're all singing this song, yeah, Rena, Rena. And uh, the, the barista was getting a bit more flustered by this, this whole situation. But then Rena comes back. She must have been on a bathroom break during the kids called BRB. Uh, and um, yeah, so she sees her singing in this song and she, she looks at me and she's like, you're strange. Anyway, so I thought it was quite an interesting sort of start to the day that sort of got into a coffee shop and started harmonising with a couple of lads. But uh, anyway, let's move yeah, on to sport. <laughs> let's move on you to sport. You find those lads. It sounds like you've got a good thing going. You can't just walk away from something Mate, like that. Barbershop yeah. Quartet. I think we kind of call it the coffee shop trio these days. So we're just sitting there no, clicking it. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Lennon and McCartney met in a, in a, at a church fete, was it? You know, and, you know, there's you. You could be meeting your songwriting soulmates there at the cafe. Oh, maybe, maybe. Maybe that, so, that's know, my, maybe that's my slide. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about um, two things. We call it before we go into markets. NFL started. Happy days. Everyone likes that. Um, I saw the Bills the other day. They looked they look good, didn't they? Got a bit of a man crush on Josh Allen. Um, I think they're going to get it done this year. Um, paying six bucks, the market obviously likes them as well. You got any views on the on the on the NFL? We're playing. We got uh, tight, Titans on Tuesday. They should smash them in that situation there. Uh, what are you? What's your what's your view on the NFL? Are you uh, are you following it much this year? Oh, look, I'll be honest. I'm a, I'm a very casual fan. I sort of tune in as we get to the tail end of the season. I, I do wonder, though, what have um, viewing figures in Australia looked like since people started working from home? You think there's been a big jump there? It was, mate. Last year, I think it saved a lot of people's sanity, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. That and running, right. I'd like to think. And uh, But then we go to the Bledisloe. Let's talk about the Bledisloe. We've got that coming up. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll uh, be there on Thursday. You're going to be um, there? Okay. Yeah, I'll be, there. I'll be there. You can't miss that sort of thing when it comes no, to town, mate. It's very unpatriotic otherwise. I mean, I was just looking before, I thought to myself, when's the last time the Aussies won the Blues? Like, 2010. Two, was it 10? I thought 2002. Well, it's, I mean, I thought they I won know. 49-28 back in uh, in Docklands. Maybe because they, uh, maybe because the, um, the stadium changes names so often that, that uh, maybe that you were, you, you were Googling 
uh, Marvel Stadium wins and didn't come up. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Aussie's paying um, big odds there, close to five bucks, but I'll, I'll be leaving that alone. But, you know, it seems juicy to me, having said that, given recent results. Mm. Anyway, mate. Anyway, mate. Let's go around the grounds. Um, anything feels like an anticlimax after that cafe story, but yeah, let's let's push on nonetheless. Um, markets overnight it was a, a strong start to the week. Uh, a sea of green, really. S and P finished up about one percent. Dow about 0.7 percent. <throat> Excuse me. Europe even stronger. Um, Ukraine made significant gains over the weekend. DAX is down up almost two and a half percent. FTSE finishing up about one point six percent. Asian markets were all up as well. Well, Hang Sting was on a holiday. CSI was up about 1.5%. Nikkei, 1.2%. ASX up 1%. Uh, if we drill down into the sectors and the S&P, um, drill the active word there, I guess, with energies back to the top of the board. Um, up Good pun, mate. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, mate. Yeah, they just came to me on the flight. Yeah, thanks. Um, tech, not far behind um, energies, led by Apple, uh, which is up about 5% since the new iPhone release last week. Uh, to FX, a weaker US dollar was the story. US dollar was the story. Um, Euro dollar, cable, Aussie dollar, all up. Um, Scandinavians actually the standout. Um, their gains, which takes us to commodities, oil pushing higher. WTI up about one and a half percent. UK net gas um, a standout down about eight percent. I'm saying. Um, and silver, the other standout, making a break up about 5%. Uh, rates and bonds, mate, what are you saying? Uh, got, uh, I'm really focused on the two-year treasury ahead of CPI numbers uh, in, in the session ahead. Um, 357, we're seeing the uh, the yield at the moment. That's um, holding steady up a basis point on the day. We've got uh, 10-year treasuries at 342. Uh, in terms of rates, though, what are we looking at? I mean, we've got the CPI number tonight. That may affect it, but what we've seen recently from the likes of uh, James Bullard from the Fed and the, uh, there's the Christopher Waller as well, is that yeah even if an improved CPI number, i.e. a lower CPI number, uh, it shouldn't really sway the sway the market too much or sway their view too much. And uh, we've got 73 basis points um, priced in for this September 21st meeting. So the market's pretty much assured that they're thinking that we're going to get a, uh, that we're going to get a 75 basis point uh, hike coming from the Fed. So you'd probably need to see something pretty disastrous or very good actually, should we say, somewhere into sort of the mid sevens, which would be a huge, huge surprise. It's probably not going to happen. It's very much like unlikely to happen. Um, but that would that would therefore see the, the rates pricing going to sort of much more a 50-50 split between a 50 basis point and a 70. At the moment, the market is of the view that uh, you know a 75 basis point hike at that September meeting is a done deal. Um, I think the UK is really interesting. We've got about 66 basis points of hikes being priced in for that meeting, which of course was supposed to be this week, but of course because of the Queen's passing, um, that has been pushed back to the 20 uh, 22nd. I think it's the 22nd, um, and therefore. Um, you know, the market is a bit split on that at the moment. So that's an interesting one. Australia, uh, for the next central bank meeting in, in, in the first week of October, we're just, just over 25 basis points. So the market's saying that we're going to get much more to much more sort of conventional settings coming through. Uh, and we're expecting big hikes to play through in the ECB in the next one as well. So, yeah, CPI, a lot of people are saying, look, it could affect um, interest rate pricings. But I think given that the Fed have recently come out and said that you know, a, weak, a weak CPI number uh, won't affect them, the market's fa- fairly confident that we're going to 
we're going to see a 75 basis point hike at the next meeting. So it's priced in, Scotty. It shouldn't move mm. the dollar too mm. much. A 75 basis point is where we're looking at. I think what's more important for markets, of course, is where this so-called terminal rate sits, and that's just above 4%. That's the, that's the highest point of expectations priced into the market. So we're sitting there, you know, sort of end of Q1, uh, the market's expecting the Fed funds rate to test and perhaps even breach 4%. So I think that's probably the bigger issue for the dollar and for equity markets. If that was to make a, a leg higher into, say, 425, if we, if we had a belief it was going to stage that, I think that could be why the dollar would take a, a, a leg higher. And I think that's probably why that, that could be the reason why we see equity markets trading a bit lower there. Yeah, okay. Interesting. Okay. Um, drill down a bit on um, some of the reasons behind the moves. Um, mentioned good gains in, in European assets overnight. I mean, the obvious thing to point out was um, the Ukraine stories over the weekend um, and gas pulling back a bit. Is there anything else you're seeing behind those moves? Yeah, I think the gas story is interesting. I mean, the fact that we've gone down to 190 euros um, and then we've seen energy pro- electricity prices have come down. The Germans have, uh, have, have used that as a, as a kind of a defiant structure and said, we're going to get inventory levels um, up to about 90% of capacity. So the German energy minister, they're obviously becoming a momentum trader, seeing weakness in, in the in that gas price and, and using it to his advantage. Uh, I, I think, yeah, the while we're, I'm not an expert in this field at all, um, it might surprise you. Um, come on, but, mate. <laughs> come on. You're selling yourself short again. Come on, mate. But, uh, no, I think, uh, yeah, you don't expect this this offensive, that we've, this counter-offensive, which you're hearing that there was nine or eight Russians per Ukrainian that have come in so strong and they've managed to fight back in the East. And it's an yeah, inspirational okay. story, sort of um, similar to you know, Battle of Britain sort of stuff. And uh, you know it's given the given the troops and a massive morale boost by all accounts, but uh, you don't expect yeah. the war to end anytime soon. I think the Kremlin's made themselves pretty defiant overnight, saying that they uh, they will uh, you know they will, they will continue to achieve their objectives. Um, but yeah, I think it's 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 a, a bit of relief for for Europe for for sure. Um, it doesn't mean the war is going to end anytime soon. I expect it to to continue going on. But um, yeah, the market needed to hear good news around that or positive news in that regard. And I think they've seen it and they've reacted to that. The question is, can it can it last? Um, that's that's obviously what we're watching. So yeah, natural gas coming coming down in Europe is is obviously a very positive situation. Um, but still, even at these levels, it's it's, it's still thematic of a, a very costly winter for for a lot of Europeans. Yeah, yeah, and people looking deep into the weather forecast, aren't they, to try and work out how much of an effect that will have? I don't think it's as bad as the as the US, right? I mean, we've all become. I think anyway, everyone's become like watching the hurricane patterns because of inventory levels or because of what we've seen in the petroleum levels because of the you know the drawdown we've been seeing from the strategic petroleum reserves. We've we've got down to such low capacities there that if we were to see you know brutal attack on the Gulf from the hurricane season. You know, prices could go up pretty substantially, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny, like you say, instant expert, and that, and that's one we're all going to be looking at yeah. um, this year. The weather so patterns. Pick, what's your what's your what's your source then? What's your what's your, we will look at the the BOM website over here. What's uh, what's your hurricane hurricane source? Yeah, that's a good point. I haven't nailed down a good one. Um, yeah, it takes me back to the early days of lockdown when all the sport was off and. Um, some people um, were forced to bet on on the weather, on the, the daily temperature in the capital cities around Australia. So I heard. So, so I heard, you heard. You know? yeah, and people had some good sources at that stage and watching the live feed from Perth to see if the cold front was coming across and that sort of thing. So yeah. we might get you, to a similar point. So you just you just you caught wind of that uh, 
that's my uh, and I and um, well, I didn't, but some people made it rain, you know, when it came to betting on that. Very stuff. nice. Very um, nice. all right, second point I wanted to ask you about similar, I mean, equities in general across the world are marching higher. It's, it, you might correct me on this stat, I saw someone say that, um, SP has had four green days in a row, hasn't had five in a row since um, November last year. Um, but it's been a real march high. What do you, what do you see behind that? Um, yeah, so I think you've got an issue where people have, I mean, if people have been looking at the options market very closely and they've seen this massive rise in put, puts uh, volume, so people have been hedging themselves. So they don't really necessarily want to close out of their core equity positions, um, but they've been, you know, they've been paying up for, for puts. Um, they've been, you know, they've been big buyers of puts and therefore they've, their hedge. We haven't necessarily seen that in in skew, to be honest. There hasn't been a massive propensity to pay for for pay up for skew. You've, you've actually seen skew roll over, and you've obviously seen the VIX coming down into 24 as well. Um, so mm. it's, it's interesting that if you look at the put call ratio, maybe people, maybe it's just calls that have come out, but everyone's focused on the idea that potentially people are hedging themselves. But we haven't necessarily seen that in in actually implied volatility. That hasn't happened. I think maybe there's some some belief that. Um, that the CPI number is going to be weak. You don't want to be left behind in an environment where you're going to get a negative print month for month. That could be very positive. Um, and maybe there's also a belief that the you know, terminal rate hasn't really moved for a while, that, that perhaps the, the rate situation is kind of priced in to an extent. And we've seen some better data, but I think, I think everything that we're seeing in, in, in the S&P relates to flow. So whether it's hedging activities, it's volatility mm-hmm. coming down and volatility targeting funds coming back in. Um, yeah, the market's had a bit of a move up. So CTAs are having to close out some of those shorts. Um, I think, you know, when you can't pick a real reason for this to happen, um, you you sort of go uh, into our friend flow. What I do think is is really clear. And I think what is the, what is the fundamental driver and makes a mockery, a mockery, Scott, mm-hmm. uh, of... Uh, markets discounting all known news and thinking into the forward, we live 12, 18 months in the future, is the reserves on the Fed's balance sheet. So as the as as the as the Fed are drawing down their assets very slowly on, but they're about to ramp this up under quantitative tightening, we are seeing reserves. They have been moving down, but last week we actually saw them move up. So this is the the reserves that they credit um, um, with the banks when they buy the, or they when they used to buy uh, U.S. Treasuries and mortgage-backed securities, and reserves actually increased about five percent last week. So I think we're trading the Fed's balance sheet, equities, um, yeah, crypto. They're all really, really strongly aligned with reserves, uh, which again, you know, we, we can't actually prophesize or forecast these. We, we think they're going to go lower over time, and we're very very sure they're going to go lower. But so on a week-to-week basis, we're seeing gyrations in the stock market very correlated to reserves. So I think that's where we are, where we are at the moment. So that's, that, to me, is the primary reason. Yeah, okay. You touched on VIX being down um, last few days. I seen a bit of talk this morning. Um, SPY and VIX both up overnight, and that being – some people point to that as a worrying sign. Do you say People do that. that or yeah, I, I think that's, that's interesting. I mean, it's – yeah, I think it's it's, it's all uh, got to be. Uh, let's all do like the re- realized volatility in the market and and various things. And remember, at the end of the day, um, you know, volatility is is directionally agnostic. You know, volatility can rise 
um, in, 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 in upwards markets and downwards markets. I mean, it's synonymous yeah, with point. down markets. Um, but, you know, volatility is just, you know, the extent of moves from, or realized volatility is the extent moves from a, from a mean. I'm interested to see this because, you know, we have had this move up and we took to 41.15 in the S&P. Um, and NASDAQ's had a nice move up as, as they have all. European equities have really driven this higher as well, as we've talked about. What are, what's, what's the general feeling from, from the flow in terms of clients at the moment? Are they, are they, are they trying to sell into this, this rally now or are they going along with it? Uh, we we are seeing a bit of that actually. We are seeing um, people the profit taking and and actually going short. Um, certainly, started this week when it comes to the the big um, US indices. Yeah, so we've seen a bit of a flip there as okay. um, as they keep continue pushing higher. Look, uh, people saying they can't. Maybe people thinking they can't go for that fifth day in a row, fifth green day in a row. Yeah. Okay. Statistics, uh, um, statistics on their side, by it sounds, but uh, well, this yeah, is a bit of a mention yeah. base. I think it's all down to that CPI number, which we can talk about in a set. Um, US dollar, the third thing I want to ask you about, it's in a bit of a pullback. Um, you sort of touched on it before that you're a bit skeptical that that's going to last. Well, I think this is just, I mean, where else do you, if, if, you're, if you're long equity, you know, the best hedge, it hasn't really been volatility or, or optionality. It's been just go long dollars. So the, the, the inverse correlation between the dollar and, and the equity markets is, has been the most pronounced. So you can go long equities and just buy the dollar as a hedge. And, um, you know, what when equities go up, people are actually reducing their hedges by taking off dollar exposure. But that also has a perpetual sort of feedback loop into, into global central bank balance sheets. So as the dollar strengthens, you're seeing balance sheets uh, globally come down, which sort of, sort of tightens financial conditions and it impacts emerging markets as well. So I think there's you know, a number of reasons why the dollar is, is doing what it's doing. But yeah, I mean, I think structurally, I love the dollar. I mean, I think it's still the only place that, that, that works in G10 at the moment um, from a relative growth perspective, from a relative attractiveness as a financial destination, uh, investment destination. The US still looks like the best house in a, in a, in a, in a, within the neighborhood. Um, but, you know, things don't go up in a, in a linear fashion. And I think mm. what you're just seeing now is, is a tactical reversal playing through. Um, and I think everyone's just looking at levels now for, um, you know, where do we where do we look to buy in, Scotty? I think that, that's that's the, the sort of situation. 50 day in the um in the in the Dixies, uh, the one you want to have a look at, but uh, it's just a little bit lower than where we are at the moment. But yeah, I still think I think the the, the best way to summarise this won't go on to too much longer. Um, is we are watching real rates, we're watching the balance sheets that the reserves have talked about. But yeah, structurally, love the dollar. Not that we love anything as traders, we yeah we we have open minds. Um, but uh, yeah, I think structurally, like the US dollar, I still think it's the best place to be. Tactically, I think we've got a bit more downside. Uh, let's see what happens to the CPI number. What's the general uh, general gist of client flow at the moment with the dollar? Are they are they still still short dollars? They're, they're not actually. We've seen um, clients positioning flip on that over the last few days, and certainly overnight, and they they tend to agree with you that it's now the place to be. Um, so they're I guess. They're, You'd say they're buying the dip on that, so they're not um, massively short. Um, sorry, massively long, but um, yeah, the positioning has um, clearly flipped around since we've seen that pullback. Okay, interesting. Um, last thing I want to ask you about, and maybe we'll sort of tie this in with the look ahead. Um, you know, I, I'm looking at the calendar. I'm seeing NZ food prices jump out. You know, I want to know how much a steak and cheese pie is <laughs> going to cost me when I when I make it home next time. You'll probably say that US CPI is um, the more important number. Um, is it is it a mover? Is it a market mover? The drop in gas prices expected to provide some relief there. Um, is is uh, you know what are you thinking? 
Yeah, I think um, the market's probably front running this by selling dollars into this. We haven't necessarily seen that in the bond market. Bond yields have been sort of creeping higher. So there's been a bit of a divergence between the two. Um, but I think I think the world needs a seven handle on CPI. Now, I know that's still ridiculously high, of course, but just the mere psychological idea that the headline inflation is below 8%. The consensus is that it drops from 85 to 8%. Um, but I think a seven handle would be psychologically important for markets. I think, therefore, you'd see, you know, you'd see bonds probably go bid a little bit. Yeah, yields would fall a bit. I think that would be enough then for. I, I want to. You're, a, you, you know, you've worked on a market maker before. Um, a seven handle, while it's just below consensus, I, I would say that probably sees the Nasdaq finish up one one and a half percent. I think that would be the levels I'd look. The dollar would be falling on a broad basis. You're going to see the Noki, the the Aussie. Um, yeah, those you know, sort of high beta FX plays working well. I think the, the concern comes if you get a number probably above 8.3, 8.4 and above. Uh, that's where the dollar strengthens and, and you would say that maybe headline inflation hasn't fallen as much as we want. Core inflation at, uh, is expected to push up a bit, though. That's probably the more important thing, really, um, that, that we've got you know, sticky inflation still grinding higher. And we're looking at you know, shelters as a, as a key input there. Um, but I think the market wants to look at headlines. So I'll ask you the question is like, if we were to see a seven-hander, while just only mod- modestly below consensus, yeah, what, what would be your uh, back-of-the-envelope market maker calls on, on on a Nasdaq close there? On a, on a close, yeah. I, I, I mean, I like your call of one to one and a half. I'd be up more up towards the one and a half and even pushing towards two, given recent moves. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's a mugged game making calls on this stuff, isn't it? But I, I, yeah, I like your thinking on that. It's hypothetical, mate. Have a bit of fun. Have a bit of fun. Good point. Yeah, I should have some. Yeah, some balls, shouldn't I? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I like that. That's a good call. Okay, cool. Well, let's uh, let's just with that in mind, let's let's flip it over to um to markets that are on the radar. This week, Scotty, we should have a little jingle for this. I'm going to go for silver. Um, why am I looking at silver? Well, it had a 5% rally last night, 5% rally. We're up five days in a row here on the, on silver. Poor man's gold, they say, but I don't disagree. This is a market that's moving. Gold's having a grind. This is a fun man's gold, I think. This is where we're all, or woman's gold. Um, and, and that's where we're looking at the moment. So can we break 20 bucks? I think that, that's what we're looking at. Again, if we get a weak CPI, now there's probably other stuff going on. I think silver, silver heads out there will probably say, Chris, you're not looking at the right places. Price is telling me this is momentum. I like things that are going up. I like to sell things that are going down. This is going up at the moment. The problem is, can we crack 20 bucks? Can we take out the, uh, the sort of mid-August highs around into the high $20? Um, can this start a trend? I love momentum mm. moves that fall into trends. I've got silver on my mind. It needs a weak CPI number relative to consensus for the momentum to keep going. Uh, I have no insight on that, but uh, that, that's the market I'm looking at very, very closely tonight. What about you, Scott? Yeah, no, I like that. Yeah, you've got a silver tongue and now you've got silver on the mind. If you're getting a bit bored with, uh, with gold, then it makes sense that that's one to look at to have a bit of fun with for sure. Yep. Um, I'm looking, I, I was going to say um, Bitcoin, um, it's back up through that $22,000 level um, for the first time in a little while. But if we're talking cryptos, then Ethereum is um, certainly the more interesting story this week. Um, I'm not going to pretend I know what I'm talking about here, but the, it's the merge, is <laughs> the big event this week. It's the transition merge. from, yeah, from um, proof of work to proof of stake. Um, I think I believe the idea is to make it more scalable, more secure. It's expected to take place in two days, four hours. Google have got a ca- countdown clock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> a, well, that's what I'm looking at when I go there. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I'm looking at. 
Um, so yeah, we're counting down to that big event that's been years in the making. Um, are we? The question is, are we already into the the sell the fact stage of, of oh, the merge story? I don't think it is, seeing... mate. To be honest, I don't think it is. Yeah, I, I mean, I did, so? if I if I if I overlap a, uh, overlap a chart of Ethereum and and, and S and P, they they've been very well correlated. S Ethereum has just underperformed. So again, it, I think it just comes down to the reserves on the Fed balance sheet as a liquidity dynamic and. Um, I, I don't think there's been any any real uh, impetus to, to buy Ethereum into the merge. Um, Bitcoin's been outperforming if you look at the Bitcoin Ethereum ratio. So, you know, this well, is a long term. Well, that's what makes me question that. That's the, the one I'm looking at. You know, it's down 10% in the last few days, that, that cross um, mm. Ether versus Bitcoin. And that's what makes me wonder um, are we seeing that sell the fact now people, you know, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I just, yeah, I just I think it's been, it's been moving along with a lot of risk assets. It's not even a high beta risk asset. So, yeah, it's an, it's, it, maybe the sell the fact happened days to go because now we actually got a deadline. It's going to happen. But, yeah, I think this is – if you're an Ethereum um, advocate, I mean, you're sitting there going, this is a milestone. This is this is about efficiencies. Is it, it's, it's yeah, moving that proof of stake model. Um, yeah, it's, it's all about the, uh, the adoption story. But the adoption story changes to one of more sort of reducing its carbon footprint. Um, and the institutional adoption may come from – uh, that 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 model that comes through, but it's gonna it's not gonna happen overnight. It's gonna be a much longer term uh, situation. So it's about innovation, and they're taking a step forward by doing this. But uh, yeah, I don't think it's a market moving story. In fact, I'm highly confident it's not a market moving story. But it's uh, it's one that the, the crypto advocates are watching very closely and and see how that sort of rolls out and, and does this step the platform um, for for innovation uh, within Ethereum and and um, yeah, you know, all the sort of layer two platforms that come from that. But anyway, one to one to watch, one to keep an eye on. Before we wrap up, Scott, uh, mm. my favourite part of the day, it's fact of the day. What have you got? Well, mate, I sort of had one eye on the US Open final yesterday and, um, you know, the new number one in the, the Pepperstone ATP rankings there. Oh. Um, and, you know, I was thinking about the coverage on TV and I came across something interesting in my research. Yellow tennis balls, which we all know and love, uh, they look better on Cull TV, and they were the idea of David Attenborough. He was the controller of the BBC at the time, and the white balls didn't come across well when they moved to Cull TV. So his idea was let's move to yellow balls. David Attenborough created the yellow ball. Well, there you go. Exactly. Yeah, you've summed it up much more. I should have. You don't think it's? You don't think it was? A, but, it was yeah. just. A, it was had in mind, like you know. If there's a, a pigeon flying over, he's going to see it better, or some sort of animal-related sort of situation. Oh, you think he's looking after the other members of the animal kingdom? Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, yeah. It's a long, long, long uh, thing to think about. Anyway, great fact of the day as always. Uh, I'm going to call it there, actually. Um, I hope you've enjoyed the show. Uh, do leave us a review if you can. Uh, that would be awesome. Share it with your friends, share it with your family. Um, and uh, we'll be back on Thursday for more of Open Outcry from myself. Goodbye. Thanks, Chris. All the best. Cheers, Scotty. Cheers, buddy. Cheers.